0: Happy Mother's Day once again, everybody. I just want to draw special attention to some teenage boys out there and in other rooms here this morning that are wearing suits, ties, sport coats. Man, I'm just saying, I'm blown away by that. Good job, young men. Good job. All right, so speaking of Mother's Day, a lady went and knocked at her neighbor's door, and a young boy named Gene answered the door. She said, hello, Gene. Are you here all alone? Yes, said the youngster. Mothers at the store, and me and daddy and my two sisters and my two brothers are here all alone. There's a young child that gets the importance of mothers. Did you catch that? Maybe that went right over some people's heads. They're here all alone because mom's not there. I want to begin today by affirming our commitment, just like the parents up here committed to their children and the church committed to them, affirming our Christ-like commitment to all of the ladies here today by reading the following. So listen up. To those who gave birth this year to their first, first child, we celebrate with you. To those who ever lost a child, we mourn with you. To those who experienced loss through miscarriage, abortion, failed adoptions, running away, we also mourn with you and lean on the, on the fullness of the grace of God. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day right now wearing the badge of food stains, we thank you. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who have warm, close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. We do. To those who are struggling as single moms, we respect you and walk with you as well. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, We acknowledge your experience and once again lean on the full grace of God. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we walk with you. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you as well. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you and look forward to our next child dedication that we have with you. No mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. Happy Mother's Day. The author was unknown for that, but I love it. We continue in the book of Matthew today. We are going right through our series in Matthew, and just look at the topic the Holy Spirit organized for today. Many, many weeks and months ago, we land on this. Kingdom family, lessons, lessons, from children. Turn with, you, turn with me in your Bible to chapter 18 of Matthew, would you? And raise your hand if you need a bulletin that's got the sermon notes in it, and one will be provided to you. Matthew chapter 18. If you have a red letter edition, you're going to open to Matthew chapter 18 and you're going to see a lot of red. Those are the words that Jesus actually spoke. Yes, Matthew 18, we arrive at Jesus' fourth long discourse, a long teaching session. So long, in fact, that it's going to cover our next six weeks together. And here's where it starts. Matthew 18 will be in the first 14 verses today. And this discourse is all about living life in his kingdom. Living life in his kingdom as his church family. Today is honoring children and others in his kingdom with less status. Jesus has made many strong statements in our journey through Matthew so far, and he will continue to make some of the strongest statements ever made by anyone. He makes more today. If anyone causes a little one of his to fall from faith to sin, they themselves are at risk of being damned. And we, ourselves, we need to seek those who are straying. Let's learn about our kingdom life in Jesus' family today. The first thing we come to in your notes you'll see is that we need childlike qualities. Childlike qualities that we need are humility and innocence. Here's a fun question. When does the kingdom of heaven overcome the world? When does the kingdom of heaven overcome the world in in our lives? It's when Jesus' disciples act like children. That, 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 That doesn't sound right. We grow up not wanting to act like children anymore. All right, let's figure out what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 1 with me. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, it's not really clear here from Matthew, but if we turn to Luke and Mark, uh, they show that the disciples have been arguing about this topic. Look at the Gospel of Luke 9, 46. An argument rose among them as to which of them was the greatest. Hmm. Think of where we've been if you've been around. I'll just tell you, if if you're a guest here, uh, what we've been doing is following Jesus. Jesus has been just teaching them that all their power is through Him. He's been showing them, he's He's just told them a couple times that He is going to give His life in service and salvation of others. And they're talking about which of them is the greatest. Somebody once said, This is the dumbest argument in the history of humans. They were thinking about themselves, but does that ever happen to us? Oh, yeah, all the time. Now, that's the wrong kind of acting like children, but there is a right kind. Jesus answered their question. They asked the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He answered their question in an unexpected and very convicting way. He called a child out of the crowd to come stand up next to him. You, come on up, come on up, stand next to me. He places his child right next to him. And he taught them this lesson that we must receive. The first point A there is our kingdom status. Our kingdom status comes from humility. That's what it comes from. First, to enter God's kingdom at all, you must, in humility, repent and become like a child. Let's see what he says in verses 2 through 4. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never even enter. But Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Always remember the little child standing there with Jesus. This is the essence of being a Christian. First, you you don't even become a Christian, a saved follower of Jesus with new life until you have turned, like he said, and become something else. You've turned, you've repented of what you currently are, a a self-gratifying, self-centered, self-righteous, rightly condemned sinner. So in humility, we turn and become something new that Jesus wants wants to make us. Then, like the children who were on stage Earlier, just a bit ago, these babies, you know, they're gonna grow up reaching out and, and grasping on to their parents, trusting them fully. Jesus says, unless you do the same, you confess to him, to God, that you need him like these babies, need their parents to hold them and feed them and protect them and to provide for them. Now, when I get home, my kids are still young enough, some of them to run up to me with big smiles on their faces and arms wide open, just fully ready to embrace and trust my provision and my care. That's a picture of our salvation relationship with God. And look what he calls those who do this. Verse 4, once again, Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We see what God puts the priority on is our humility, glorifying him, which we've been doing here this morning. But have you done this? Are you a child of the king? Have you turned to God through Jesus, trusted him, and been brought to spiritual life by him? You've left all that you're holding on to and given him your life, and purely by his grace alone have received a place of status in his kingdom through your humility. You can today, right now, for the first time or Or maybe it's time for a rededication of your life, just like we've dedicated these children to the Lord. And look what Jesus, who himself is all-powerful God, does with all of God's children who humbly come to him. Verse 5, he embeds us in his identity. Look at this statement. Just meditate on this. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. He connects himself with his people entirely. How amazing is that for us? But that also means when someone causes a spiritual child of the king to be led astray, it is a serious offense. Our kingdom status comes from humility and B, God will avenge his little one's innocence. Innocence. Because every baby is born with a sin nature, receives a sin nature at conception, actually. All these cute little babies up here, beautiful as they are, they will sin. Those parents are not going to have to teach those kids how to sin, right? No teaching necessary. That just comes naturally. That is our human nature, our sinful human nature. But a baby begins life innocent. They have not sinned. And woe, Jesus says, woe to those who lead them to sin, for God will avenge their innocence. Verse 6. One of the strongest statements of Jesus. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. This is God talking. Meditate on this verse the intensity of it. And imagine, here's a picture of a millstone and a sea. If you cause one of these little ones of Christ to lose their faith, leave their faith, to sin, to stumble, it's better for you to have a millstone fastened around your neck and to be drowned in the sea than to face God's righteous wrath. Now, with the child... Jesus is teaching about his kingdom family, and I just want to make this clear. He's using the child to, yes, speak about literal children, but also he ties his little ones, which is all of us. All of us. All of God's children are his little ones. And he's especially watching out for those who are younger in the faith and easily susceptible. So who is guilty of this today? Who is guilty of leading God's people away in their faith? to sin and stumble. Well, let me just say a lot of people. A lot. Even us, we need to listen to these words. I came across uh, a pretty amazing uh, written piece, and I want to read it. To answer who is guilty of this today, this is just part of it. Brothers and sisters, we can hardly Overstate the all-out war on our children and all of us right now, in our time, in our nation right now. Please pay attention to this written piece. Without exaggeration, we can say that no generation in American history has been subject to such a concerted demonic attack. Just put yourself in the place of a child today. Starting your dangerous journey to adulthood from within the womb, from the moment of conception, your life is at risk. Will you make it out of the womb, or will you be more like the 62 million Americans who have been cut down before they could breathe their first breath? In your case, thankfully you survive your mother's pregnancy and emerge from the womb to take that first breath, a beautiful little girl. But are you born into a broken home? Will your mother's boyfriend abuse you? Will you know your biological mother and father? Who are you, really? Will you ever know for Sure. Once again, though, you are among the fortunate ones. You have a mommy and a daddy, and they love you and do special things with you, like take you to the library, even as a toddler. One of the highlights is an event called Drag Queen Reading Hour. Well, once you're in kindergarten and first grade, you'll learn more about gender distinctions, whatever those are, and you'll find out that some boys are really girls and some girls are really boys. Maybe that applies to you. Soon enough, you've discovered the wonderful world of the Internet. So many games to play and so many movies to watch. But one day when you're just eight, you ask your mommy, why don't those people have any clothes on? You've now been introduced to pornography. When you reach the age of 12, the boy you like at school pressures you to text him an inappropriate picture of yourself. Everyone laughs. Your picture has now spread throughout the school. Before you know it, you're cutting yourself to deal with a pain. But when that doesn't work, you attempt suicide for the first time. You just turn 13. Lucky okay, for you, your parents have money, so they're able to send you to a brand new school where you meet a whole group of great new friends, and they are so cool. Two of the boys just came out as gay. They are really popular now. As for your best girlfriend, within a year, she'll get pregnant and have an abortion. Of course, her parents won't know anything about it. She'll also get an STD. How, how will she keep that secret? But the two of you can keep your minds clear by putting on your headphones and dancing along to the latest music. Now you have some role models to follow. Your kid brother isn't into music. Instead, he plays violent, gory, sexually explicit video games six hours a day. As for your loving parents, they're just glad glad both of you stay out of trouble. And did I say you're barely 14? Whatever happened to innocence? Whatever happened to purity? Whatever happened to childhood? But there's a problem with your new school. All the girls are prettier than you and have perfect bodies, not like yours. How I hate myself, you say every time you look in the mirror. But no matter how little you eat, the fat is still there. It's back, back to cutting again. This is hard for a dad of daughters. It's hard for a, It needs to be hard for all of us. At last, though, you find a way to ease your pain. Drugs, you're happy. The world is a better place. You feel even good about yourself, that is, until you can't get enough stimulants in your body and the lows become far worse than the highs. You barely survive your second suicide attempt. Somehow you manage to graduate from high school, enrolling in one of the top colleges in the nation. There you will learn that America is an evil country, that all whites are guilty, that believe in a Judeo-Christian God as a joke, and there is no such thing as absolute morality or absolute truth or absolute reality. You define reality and truth and morality. As for subjects like history and geography, what matters is how you feel about ancient events and places on the map. That's what you're getting for $40,000 a year. To be fair, though, you'll learn some very helpful skills, like remembering everyone's preferred gender pronouns, such as Z and "zer." On the other hand, should you question anything you're being taught, you'll learn something else very quickly. Dissent is not permitted. Now you're ready to be an adult. To repeat, there is an all-out war on our children and us we can hardly overstate it and we dare not ignore it now our defense weapons the antidote is to be living in the word washed in the word strong in the word and worship to be kept unstained from the world james 1:27 and the judgment for leading a little one to sin is harsh and frightening so I ask again are you guilty are you standing Against this, Jesus continues, verse 7 Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And we need to watch out for our children and those younger in the faith, and for all of us, our brothers and sisters, to teach them and train them, guide them, rebuke them, love them, guard them. Guard their internet use completely. It is filled with evil crouching at their eyes. Guard the entertainment that they and we consume. We stare at our screens, immersed, little by little, being trained and swayed to think secularly and walk away from Christ. Every time you walk, here's, the, here's how movies work. Every time you walk into a theater or the TV room, you walk in with one worldview, and you walk out with a slightly changed worldview Away from Christ. Watch out. I just made a, pl- a change in our cell phone plan and we were awarded six months of Disney Plus for free. No thanks. Delete. Instead, be immersed in the word and worship. Educate them biblically. Education is discipleship. The school that meets here, Lakeland Christian Academy, great school, is gonna leave our campus in two years. And my aim is to open some kind of a homeschool center. Glad for that cheer. We've got two years, so still wait. Be real with each other, with your children, with the young one, not fake. Too much fake Christianity. Be deeply involved in each other's lives, leading them into the word and worship, following Christ. Pray aggressively for them, for hours. We keep reading these stats, only 10% of polls show that only 10% of Christian parents spend regular time in the word and prayer with their families. 10% regular committed time in the word and in prayer with their families. Now we eat every day, right? And we look at screens every day. This is Satan's deception on our priorities. We need, this church needs to move to 100% in the word and prayer every day. All of our homes actively following Jesus. Dads, if there is one in the home, that starts with you. You'll answer for that. Just start going through the book of Proverbs or Acts. Those are exciting. Just a few verses a day, pray outside of meals. You can grow from there. Visit our resource center, which we're in the process of overhauling right now, as our commitment to growing family ministry is is developing as well. Now, Christians are not only committed to the holiness of others. Jesus goes right into verses 8 and 9, which shows that this requires, what precedes all of this is a radical commitment to our own personal holiness. Look at verses 8 and 9. And if your hand, this is what it's going to take. Got to look inside first. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands and two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes be thrown into the hell of fire. He's saying, in the most strong terms, instead of flirting with sin, destroy it. Rather than taking sin lightly, get it out of your life. The Bible says that inside we love our sins, though. And we keep these pet sins just really close to us, just in case we need an outlet or a release. No, overcome that. Cut it off. Tear it out. Get help. What we're here for accountability. So, following Jesus, we protect one another from sin. We're serious about the holiness in our own lives. Next, kingdom children who have been led astray need to be recovered like lost sheep. We come to the parable of the lost sheep now. It's a well known parable, well liked. And we see after childlike qualities that we need, of humility of our own and innocence, Jesus now teaches us fatherlike actions that we need. Love and pursuit. Begin with verse 10. He says, See to it that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Let's look at that. What does that mean exactly? Well, first, let's start with what is the opposite of not despise? One of his little ones. To love. That's the opposite. Jesus mentions there are angels. What do angels have to do with this? I'll just interpret this. He's saying, if God sends angels, if God sends angels to serve us and protect us, his little ones, how much more should we love them and serve them and protect them? Well, then Jesus drives home this point with the parable of the lost sheep. This is for all of us. He says, verse 12 and 13 and 14, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father and who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Let's press into this parable a bit here. First of all, why does God call us sheep so much? Well, let's remember the characteristics of sheep. <laughs> sheep are directionless. They wander. They get lost easily without even knowing it. And they can't find their way, own way back. Sheep are also defenseless. Dogs bite. Cats scratch. Skunks, well, you know what they do. But sheep... Nothing. They've got nothing. They're entirely dependent on the shepherd. And they mindlessly follow the crowd, what everyone else is doing, to, the, to their destruction. Do you remember anyone telling you as you were growing up, um, when they were saying, don't follow the crowd, and they would say, what, if so-and-so jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff too? How many people heard that, that lecture? Oh, man, that was pretty common. I heard that too. And then I, then I remember as a kid hearing, that's what sheep do. If one sheep jumps off a cliff, the rest will jump off a cliff right after them. And I remember as a kid thinking, no way, that is dumb. <laughs> but it's true. Look at this. From a newspaper, from the Associated Press. In Turkey, in Istanbul, Turkey. All right, here's the press release. First, one sheep jumped to its death. Then, stunned Turkish shepherds who had left the herd to graze while they had breakfast watched as nearly 1,500 others followed, each leaping off the same cliff, Turkish media reported. In the end, 450 dead animals lay on top of one another in a billowy white pile, the Oxum newspaper said. Those who jumped later were saved as the pile got higher and the fall more cushioned. Oxum reported, I mean, this is unbelievable. It's like, don't you know what you're doing? You're jumping to your death until the cushion fall. That's amazing. But it is believable because that's exactly how sheep are, and that's exactly how humans are when we follow what everybody else is doing. God gives us the answers. Without him, we're directionless and defenseless against increasing sin. We're spiritually dumb and helpless without the good shepherd. And we humans follow the crowd and the pressure from the mob or friends directly away from Jesus. Those of us who are left need to pursue them. Need to pursue them. That's our, our part. Let me put this in terms that we might even understand even better. All right, this is, this is a modern, like a 21st century paraphrase. Which of you having an iPhone, if you've lost it, does not put everything else, every other part of life on hold and look for it until you find that iPhone? Now it's like, ooh, that is urgent. Here's even more for you moms. Which of you moms having a toddler who wanders off at the fair doesn't leave the other kids with your husband, friend, or a complete stranger and go looking for that toddler until you find her? Your moms are like, yeah, I had that happen last week. <laughs> to the shepherd, each and every one is of great value. So we're a kingdom family. From humility, not anything that we've done, but what Jesus has done, we receive what he's done. We become his kingdom family, rescued from our sins to seek and save that which is lost, others to bring them into this caring community. Not just to rescue them and then just leave them alone again. No, we're a, part of a, we're a part of a family here. Are you connected to Jesus' family? Whether here or somewhere else, guests in a good church that proclaims the gospel and, and lives it as well. Are you in a small group? Are you in a discipleship relationship with accountability? With other brothers that are sharpening iron and sisters growing in Christ with you? Obeying all that Jesus has commanded and told us. The 99 self righteous persons, as we flesh this out, especially in the Gospel of Luke, he's, ta- he's addressing the Pharisees there who are self righteous and think they have no need of the shepherd. There's no rejoicing over their righteousness. But the sinner who humbly repents, receives the shepherd, guards his own life, guards the flock, this brings joy the shepherd and to everyone else. This brings joy to everyone. Which one describes you, brothers and sisters and friends? Jesus asks you to do it today. And so here are a couple next steps that I encourage you to take today. And the first is examine myself. Where am I in all of this? And then to commit to God's kingdom family. How do you need to turn to Jesus today? What do you need to turn from? What do you need what do you need to do? Is it a sin to kill? Is it a relationship to end? A, relation, a different relationship to restore? Someone you need to pursue? Are you guarding, protecting, and nurturing your own holiness? Are you causing, leading, or enabling anyone else to sin? I hope you've heard Jesus' words today. And are you fully connected with Jesus and with your fellow sheep, fellow kingdom family members and may we all continue to pursue everyone with great passion compassion while fighting the evil agendas with great courage and how to know the difference between those two let's pray and devote our entire selves to god